Please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Our lesson this morning is taken from Colossians chapter 2, reading verses 8 to 15. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily forms. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by men, but with circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins having canceled the, code, the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it all away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dell. Colossians 2, 8 to 15, there's the gospel right there. In those few verses, it sums it up really well. So, I'm just going to move this out of the way here. Well, good morning, everybody. Let me know if uh, you're hearing any feedback or an echo from this mic trying this out this week, but uh, sounds pretty good. I was one of those guys that would quite often look to the left and turn away from the mic, and then you couldn't hear me, and then I would look into the mic, and then I would look away. So really, only the people down the middle really got to hear me as I was turning. So this one allows me to look at everybody, and then my voice doesn't go in and out. But uh, yes, we are in Colossians two who, that was very funny, hey? <laughs> Frank Isler on sound. <laughs> good, I didn't have an opening joke or story, so that's really good, get the laughter going there. Jesus is all we need. So this morning we're going to finish a discussion that I started October 19th in this section of the letter to Colossians. So today and every day, it's about Jesus, our Lord, our King, the Anointed One, our Savior, the Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll get going. Father God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would now uh, be the one who speaks the words that we need to hear into our hearts this morning. Pray for our minds to push everything else aside, God, so it's just you this morning. God, as the gospel's preached, would your spirit 
do what he needs to do inside of each of us. Some of us need to be challenged this morning. Some of us need to be reminded. Above all, Lord, we want to glorify you with our lives. Some of us just need to know what we have when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Jesus completes us, not in a pithy, artificial, Hollywood, Jerry Maguire way, but in a soul-satisfying, spiritual hunger kind of way. When we leave here this morning, I would like us all to know a few things. What it means to be complete in Christ, why it matters, and where it actually makes a difference in our lives. And I introduced the big idea in my last message, and that is... We are complete in Christ, but right when we were leaving, I shared why. Does anybody remember why? I don't know if it's on the screen behind me. All right. Well, let me share it again, because this is very powerful. This is what I left off with the last sermon I preached in Colossians. We are complete in Christ because Jesus is completely God. Amen? And that comes straight out of Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10. A relationship with Jesus Christ is what makes us whole. It's where we find purpose and meaning for life. It's what makes us complete. The one who created us is the one and the only one who can complete us. You and me and everybody on this planet have been created for relationship with each other, of course, but more importantly, with the God of the universe. So until we're in this relationship with God, there's always going to seem like there's something missing from our lives. And it's sad to say, but here's a scary thought. Some of us might actually think we are in a relationship with God this morning, when in reality, we're on the outside looking in. I mean, the Son of God himself, Jesus himself, warns all of us that there will be a time when he returns to bring his followers home, and many are going to come to him and say, Jesus, Jesus, we prophesied in your name, we preached in your name, we cast out demons, we went to church, we put our money in the plate, and we have a Bible, we've got a little fish logo on our bumper, we've got the t-shirts, the stickers, Hey, Jesus, I went to a conference. I got a Toby Mac CD. Jesus is going to say, get away from me. I don't know you. I've never known you. So we want to take the Apostle Paul's 2 Corinthians 13.5 teaching very seriously when he says for us to examine our hearts. If you're struggling this morning and you're unsure of your relationship with Jesus, then it's gut check time. It's time for you to look in a mirror and see where you are, where your heart, your soul, your mind, where you're truly at this morning. Are you for real this morning or are you pretending? Now, that might not be you today. You might be the person who's sitting here in a relationship with God through Jesus. You might actually know him, but you still feel like something's missing, and you're wondering why. Well, I think it might be pretty plain and simple. We are feeling incomplete still because we don't fully understand what we have in a position of being in a relationship with God. 
We need to read our Bible. We need to pray. We need to spend time with God. Or maybe something that would help would be to have a little Bible reference card in your wallet so that you can memorize what you have in a relationship with Jesus. Now, somebody might ask me, Freddie, what is this Bible reference card that you're talking about you have in your wallet? Well, let's see. I'm glad you asked that question. I want to show you something that's a little bit personal, but something that I think is important because knowing what you have in a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing for any of us. I got this when I was at Camp Caroline, and this is something that was given to me when I was struggling with my identity in Christ because I also, I knew I was saved, but I didn't understand why I kept feeling incomplete. And the prayer counselor sat down with me, and there were three things with about 30 scriptures that told me about my identity in Christ. And here are some of the things it says about me being accepted by Jesus. I am God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified. I have been united with the Lord. I've been bought with a price. I am a member of Christ's body. I have been adopted as God's child. I am a saint. I have access to God through the Holy Spirit. I've been redeemed and forgiven. I am complete in Christ. And the next one, I am secure. I am free forever from condemnation. I'm assured that all things work together for good because I've been called according to God's purpose. I am free from any charge against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I'm established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I'm confident that good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I'm a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am significant. I am the salt and light of the earth. I am a branch of the true vine. I have been chosen to and appointed to bear fruit. I am a personal witness to Jesus. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am his co-worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that one of the biggest problems we have when it comes to feeling complete and whole in this world is that we seriously don't understand our position in a relationship with Jesus. Now, I haven't memorized all these scriptures yet. I want to. Uh, but they're all from the Word of God, and I keep them in my wallet because there's times when I need to pull it out and just be reminded when I'm struggling, when the world seems to be hitting me from the left and the right. I want to know, you know, Jesus is with me. Now, it doesn't help that we live in a world that's constantly bombarding us with more and more advertising that says, we can fill your emptiness. The world claims to have the answer. They know what's missing. They know what it'll take to make people complete. If you just find that special somebody, or you get that dream house with a beautiful deck, little white picket fence, or you get into that school you're hoping to get into, and you get the education you want, you land the job of your dreams, or 
As soon as you hear those words, congratulations, you're pregnant, and you start a family. Or, wait, if you get the finances that you need to be able to travel the world or experience more, learn more, do more, then you'll be complete. Then you'll be whole. And the world is preaching this idea to us every day that if we get one more possession, one more special item, if we get that special relationship, one more experience, that's going to be the piece that finishes the puzzle and makes us complete. But let me share with you for a moment a little bit of my journey because I fell into this trap of one more, one more. And if you can learn from this, then you don't have to make the same mistake. <clears throat> I came to learn that it's a constant daily struggle to remind myself of what I have in a relationship with Jesus. And when I do that, my perspective changes, my attitude changes. But it wasn't always like that. There was a time when I thought that all I needed to do was get my body looking good, get in shape, feel good, look good, start rocking the six-pack, start walking tall and proud. And it happened. I worked out. I ate good. And I was rocking a six-pack. And I had muscles on my body. I was in great shape. And when I looked in the mirror, I felt satisfied. I felt good. But deep down, there was still something missing. And of course, I started thinking, well, hmm, if looking good and feeling good isn't going to satisfy that, it's got to be something else. I need to get out of here. I need my own apartment. I need a place to call my own. And so I moved out of my place with three roommates. I found my own apartment, and it felt good. I could call my place my own. I felt secure. I did it. It was good, but it wasn't enough. Something was still missing. So then, well, it's obvious I need a job that pays more. I was working for minimum wage. I was struggling, trying to pay bills. I couldn't do very much because I didn't have no money. So God provided another job, one that had more money, but didn't take long to realize even though my bills were paid and I could go and do more things, I was still empty inside. And then, then the big one hit me. I saw a Julia Roberts movie, and I knew what I needed I needed a special someone to really experience the fullness of life. I needed someone special to share my life with. And God blessed me with Debbie, my Debbie Debs. But I quickly realized that she couldn't fill the void in my life. She's a great wife, woman of my dreams. But contrary to what Jerry Maguire told me, Debbie did not complete me. So yes, I confess, I fell into the trap and actually thought that she could complete me. And I thought that then I would, I could serve God better. Why? Because now my heart would be whole. I'd be content and at peace. Then I could really make a difference in the kingdom of God because all I needed was this special somebody and here she was. But no matter how great your spouse is, he or she cannot make you complete. Please understand, my friends, these are good gifts, great gifts. God says every good and perfect gift comes from him, so they're from him. But they're not going to make you complete. You'll spend your whole life chasing these things, only to keep coming up empty-handed. It's like one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes. The writer says, without God at the center of your life, all your pursuits for purpose and meaning will be like chasing after the wind. You'll, lose, you'll use a lot of energy, and you'll still be left empty. 
If you think any of those things are going to complete you, just wait and see. I've already been in Christian ministry long enough to know that some people just need to make their own mistakes and learn from them. Um, it is nice once in a while to have somebody hear a message, hear a sermon, and to take that good advice and to apply it to their life. Then they don't have to make the same mistakes. But it's not true for all of us. I mean, time and time again, we hear these testimonies, um, celebrities, famous people, athletes, um, but average Joes, average Jane, blue collar, white collar, we hear these testimonies that they've got Money, relationship, job, career, house, property, relationship, pets, experiences, traveling, whatever you want. They got it all. And still, over and over, they said something was missing. I feel empty. It wasn't enough. All the millions in the world didn't satisfy this void inside. And the author of Ecclesiastes is right when, when, the, when he says it's meaningless to keep on searching for the next item to complete, complete you because it's impossible. Why? Because you were designed to be made complete by your creator. And when I realized that it was my relationship with Jesus that would bring me completeness, that was my turning point. That's where life begins to make sense. And that's where things truly changed. And I want to give it my all, friends, for my family, for you, for, for my teammates, my coworkers, friends and neighbors. I want everybody to know that apart from Christ and Christ alone, everything you do to find meaning in this life will be like chasing after the wind until you come to realize what you have in a relationship with the creator of the universe through Jesus. I can't experience it for you. Your parents can't. Your family can't. Nobody can experience for you. And please, friends, you can't live your life waiting for somebody else to bring you fulfillment. Please don't waste your time hoping, waiting, thinking, praying that the next big thing is going to put you over the top. Then you're going to feel complete. Let these truths sink in. Some of those scriptures we read this morning, let those sink in. Because, friends, when, when you know who you are in Christ, it changes everything. If you get this this morning, when you sing those songs, hallelujah to Jesus, if it penetrates your heart, then, you know, hallelujah is the only thing you're going to be able to say because you just don't have the words for what he's done for you. The world tries to tell you, you are who you are because of what you do, or you are who you are because of what you've done, or you are who you are because of what we say you are, but when we get this, when we get into God's word and know where we stand as children of God, then it changes everything. Because when we know what Jesus has done, who he is, it's completely different. So this morning we're asking those questions. What does it mean to be complete in Christ? Why does it matter? And where does it make a difference? So I'm going to share a few reasons here. And then we're going to close with, with the Apostle Paul's summary of being complete in Christ. So here are some areas of impact from this section of Scripture where we can see practical responses of knowing that you are complete in Christ. Number one, when we understand we're complete in Christ, it impacts our relationships. When you understand you're complete in Christ, you can stop chasing after other people to make you complete because he's enough. And I'm not saying that people don't make life enjoyable, but rather what I'm saying is we're not waiting on anybody to complete us or make us feel fulfilled. 
Jesus has done that. So when we know that, it changes how we view relationships. It also changes the expectation we have of others. Married people, listen up. If this sinks in, it will change the expectations you have of your spouse. You won't be waiting for your husband or your wife to complete you because Jesus already has done it. If this sinks in, it'll impact, it'll change your prayer life. It'll transform your prayers from, God, I need more. God, I need this. God, if you just provide this, get me through. God, if I need this. And it'll change it to, God, help me recognize what I already have. Help me to know the position I'm in right now in my relationship with you. It also impacts how we look at forgiveness. Because many who follow Jesus act as though we're only partially cleansed. Like somehow the cross only paid for part of our sin. But the truth is, if you understand this, that you are completely forgiven, it will change everything. Sometimes new believers, and even people who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, they feel like God's going to forget them because they make a bad choice. And they think, or they do something, and they sin. But what is the truth that we all need to remember? That when Jesus died on that cross, he died for all of your sins. He finished with these three words. It is finished when he died. Our sins are forgiven. The sins from the past, the sins from tomorrow, the sins from the future, it's all finished. And that's the good news of the gospel, my friends. Your sins will never, ever be held against you again. All because Jesus has completely forgiven you. Now, if you're raised in church at Sunday school, or if you know just a little bit of the gospel, you know that how this works is God's Holy Spirit in us convicts us, and he brings sin to our mind, and then we're supposed to go back to Jesus and confess our sins again and ask for forgiveness again. But what happens when you keep sinning the same sins over and over and over again, and you keep coming back to God the third time? Tenth time, hundredth time, thousandth time. The enemy starts to fill your mind with these lies now, getting us to question ourselves whether we're even truly saved. And our mind starts to get confused. You know, was I even serious when I made my commitment to Jesus? And we start to think that if we keep messing up, if we keep sinning, somehow God's grace is going to reach his breaking point and say, Enough is enough. Out of here. No more forgiveness. But that's not true. Our mind fills with these lies. And God is never going to reach his breaking point. We find out here that in God's word, the price for our sin has been paid, paid in full, paid for by the spilt blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Past, present, future. The sins are all under the blood. So I say it again. When you know that you're complete in Christ and you know what you have in a relationship with Jesus, it will affect how you look at forgiveness. Let's move on. Another result of being complete in Christ is it challenges us to walk in faith. In one of our past discussions here in Colossians, we learned that how we received Christ is how we're to walk in Christ. And we receive Jesus by faith. So that means day by day, we live out our, our, our walk in Christ with faith. Faith that he's in control. 
Faith that he has a plan. Faith that he is good. Faith that he's loving. Faith that our eternity is secure and our home is in heaven with him. Amen? Amen. I was telling Pastor Ken this morning, you know, it can change. The snap of the fingers. Driving here this morning, uh, an elderly woman drove off the road on 14th Street. And I don't know, didn't look like there was ice or anything, but the car went off the road into the grass over the walkway. And so I pulled the van over and I just ran out there. There was somebody there. I asked, did you call 911? Yep, ambulance is on the way, everything. Uh, airbags were there. Car looked banged up. Still a little bit of smoke coming from the radiator. But I checked to make sure she was okay. Another lady was just a little bit of blood on the lip, making sure she was okay. And so praise God, she was all right. But you know, as the ambulance came, I left and driving here just thinking like, it could change on the way home today, you know, before the football game even starts. God might call us home. So where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Are you good? Because it could change at any moment. God could call you home. Once again, if you know uh, that Jesus completes us, uh, this is one of the central truths, one of the central tenets of a follower of Jesus. Knowing that Jesus fills every need and every gap in our life, and knowing that Jesus gives us a new birth into a new life that reaches beyond this world and into eternity is what Christianity is all about. When you're complete in Christ, last but not least, it will impact your identity. It impacts your identity because it enables people to live according to their new identity in Christ. Remember, you don't you don't need to carry a card in your wallet like this once you start to memorize God's word and have it on your heart. I'm not there yet, but I'm working. Because your identity in Christ is where everything you do in life comes from. Now, we need to know the word of God. We need to spend time with Jesus in prayer. We need to know what we have in a relationship with Jesus. And our identity in Christ is so important that the scriptures remind us of this over and over of who we are in our new life. 2 Corinthians verse 2 Corinthians 5:17 says, "If anybody is in Jesus, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come." My friends, you're no longer a broken sinful person who's held back by the mistakes and problems of your past. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. The Bible says you're a brand new creation when you come to Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. If you are a Christian and you are in Christ, you are 100% holy. You're 100% righteous. You're 100% clothed in Christ. It calls, the Bible calls you a saint. You are a son or a daughter of the king of the universe. So there you have it, friends. A few areas where knowing that you're complete in Christ can really impact your life. And if we believe these things, we let them sink in, it's going to affect everything. Now, it might seem simple. All we need to do is believe in Jesus and he'll complete us. But it's not something you're going to figure out in one or two sermons. It's not like you just show up and listen and write it on a few notes and then you're done. Hearing any message is not going to solve anything in your life if you don't put these truths into practice. James, Jesus' half-brother, one of my favorite books in the New Testament. I put up the message here. We'll read this one. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener 
when you're anything but. Letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other? Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later, they, they have no idea who they are, what they look like. Our, my translation from the NASB says, don't just listen to God's word. you got to do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you. Because in reality, it's going to take a lifetime for us to work these truths out, to see the implications that they can have in our lives. Because as life goes on and changes happen, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to fall down, we're, you know, circumstances will come up to try to make us think we're still broken, we're still messed up, we're not complete, you need something more, but you don't. These things are constantly going to be happening day by day. But you and I need to go back to the truth of the word of God and say, I know what my situation's telling me, but this is what my God has declared. And I need to make a decision. I need to make a stand that I'll either believe in self and circumstance or I'm going to believe in him. And that's a lifetime pursuit. So we got to let these things sink in. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to close with Paul's three points of completeness. And Paul says, number one, we are complete in Jesus, again, because Jesus is completely God. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. And the big idea that we want to take home from this morning's message is we are complete in Jesus because Jesus finished his work. And that's Colossians 8 through to 15. And finally, when we look at both of these truths side by side, we see that our completeness is based on him and his character. We are complete because he is God, and you put that together with we are complete in him because he finished his work, and then what you get is we are complete because of who Jesus is and what he has done. We see that his character and his work are essential to us understanding our completeness in him. And matter of fact, any false teaching, the teaching here in Colossae, any heretical teaching usually comes from people attacking the character of Christ or the sufficiency of the work that Christ did for us. So my friends, if we don't feel we're complete, if we don't recognize who we are in Christ, we're going to continue to live our lives in spiritual, spiritual danger, not because we think we're going to go to hell without Christ, but rather because we won't experience this fullness of what God has for each of us on earth. We're going to live in spiritual poverty when the Bible teaches we should be living as children of the king. We're still going to be lost and confused because we're going to be asking God to give us stuff he already has. We're going to be begging him to do things he's already done, and it's not because we need something else. It's because we just don't know what we have. So number one, we are complete in Christ because he's completely God. Number two, we're complete in Jesus because Jesus finished his work. So we're going to sing. We're going to sing a closing hymn here. Um, I'm going to invite up John here. We're going to sing a hymn together. But my friends, let me close with this. Ron, I'm just going to skip to uh, slide 
slide 49 and 50. Our challenge, friends, is to do something with this information that you have today and tomorrow and forever. You need to respond. What will you do when you know that you are completing Christ? Because you've got to respond. Jesus died on that cross for your sins. He was resurrected on the third day so you could live a life of victory. But what will you do with that? I left this with Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where God says, our lives can be a living sacrifice. That that is our spiritual act of worship. So will you be devoted for God to God's service? So let's join John as he leads us in hymn 57.